Welcome to Soberholic, a podcast about Christian recovery, where each week we explore topics that can free you from bondage and strengthen your relationship with God, others, and yourself. Now, your show hosts, Roger and Jason. Welcome to Soberholic Podcast. We are here with Roger Bose. We are here, or you are here? Me and you are here. Well, you're here with Roger. You're and, here with yourself. And I'm here with Jason. You're here with yourself, too. Yeah, me, myself, and I. That got really weird. But anyway, we are um, going to do a, a show that we we did a, a, what was that, like months ago. Yeah, it's probably six months ago. Yeah, six months ago or so, we did a, a coffee. Coffee? I got my I, coffee I, right here. I'm going to try to not spill it on my computer. A coffee and Conversations. We get questions um, pretty pretty regularly from our our listeners, and we you know kind of bank them. We've been banking them for a while. I remember we got a bunch of these right after our last coffee and conversations, and uh, we've been kind of storing them up, waiting to we get enough to do a show off of. And we've we've hit that limit where we we have some pretty good questions here. Um, some of them are pretty difficult, and some of them are pretty easy so yeah, and a lot of times it's the same questions we get asked over and over yeah i mean there's a lot of frequently asked questions in recovery um that that you know we get asked in person all the time or and, and some of these I've, I've been asked in person you know pretty pretty regularly so you ready i'm ready are you ready here we go let's dive into this first question are you ready i am completely okay. ready do either of y'all uh, do either of y'all ever think about using or drinking, or have using dreams? Hmm. Um. Well, I, this is one of those questions. If you was to ask me, you you might say that I'm lying because it depends on when you ask me of how I have how I would answer this. Most of the time, I would tell you no. I I really rarely have a using dream anymore. Or do I really think about drinking or drugs? You know, mm. I always really identify myself more with an addict than an alcoholic. But usually if I do have that thought of, of using their drinking, it's a drinking. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I, yeah. I, the drugs I rarely have, have thought of uh, for years now. But the reason I said it may sound like I'm lying is because that does kind of come through spells like i'll go like five years and not have any thoughts at all of it and then all of a sudden i may think of it you know right like I, you I, did I, when you got your tattoo that exactly. was the, that was the last time it, it sure was before that it was yeah. forever or something yeah i couldn't tell you the last time other yeah. than i will say this that there tends to be or it didn't happen here in the past couple of years but there for quite a while when seasons would change my my ideas of using would change. Let me un, um, unpack that. Is when it would turn like from fall to winter or right somewhere right around there. I always wanted to go use cocaine. Don't know why, but that was the thing I wanted okay. to use. In the summer, um, you know, usually about the time here in Alabama when you'd be on a boat, that you know, not like extreme heat, but like. Yeah. nice heat which yeah. is like a one-week window is that's when i would think about drinking uh, but my my honestly my doc was you know opiates yeah and i can't ever even think of the last time that um i wanted to to use an opiate 
In fact, it's getting hard to rem- for me to even remember what it was like, the feeling when I was on the opiates. It's been that yeah. long. Yeah. For me, um, it's I can't remember the last time where I entertained a thought of wanting to use or drink. Um, I don't really count those times where you're passing a... Uh, a billboard with a beer you know commercial on it or, or seeing a, a beer commercial on tv and you're like huh that'd be nice i'm not really talking about that because that happens you know oh, I, saw, yeah, I saw a blue moon commercial with the orange and everything the other day and i was like that looks good but i mean i'm not counting that i'm talking about really entertaining the idea of drinking or using and it's been years for me in that regard as far as the dreams I would say about every six months, four to six months or so, I'll have a dream. But what's weird about it is 90% of the of the dreams I have, they're always drinking. And I did drink alcoholically, but that's not really what kind of led me into recovery. It was drugs. But um, but there's been there's been a few dreams that I've had where when I woke up, it took me a second to realize, okay, no, I didn't drink. You know, because they were so realistic and it was it was terrifying, really, uh, when I woke up and had to sit there and think, did I drink last night? It's funny you say that, because when I was I'm looking back, maybe around three years sober, I had a reoccurring dream or dreams. It wasn't the same dream, but a lot of dreams about using. And it almost got to the point where I, I. was like, am I sober still? It's not like every right. morning I would have to wake yeah. up and have to question myself. So it was almost like after a few months of this, am I even sober? Yeah. Am I have I really used? There was one time um, early on when I was going to meetings, I, I'd been sober, I think about a year or so, where I had a dream that was so realistic that I literally had to call one of my friends that was you know, always at the meetings with me and ask him, was I at the meeting last night? And he said, yeah. And I told him why I was asking, and he was like, what? And then as soon as he said I was at the meeting, then it kind of dawned on me. I was like, that was just a dream. Right. They were they are that realistic, which is crazy to think about now, mm-hmm. that they can be that powerful. But to me, the way I look at the dream thing is it's probably going to happen from here on and you know hopefully with less frequency but you know it doesn't happen a lot now but it still happens am i mistaken because i could be but i think about a year ago when we first started this show um you were having some dreams and and correct me if i'm wrong because i could be but didn't you say you were having a lot of dreams about using but you never actually got to use it you was always like running. oh yeah whenever i do have dreams like about actual drugs i never get to to actually use the drugs i always just have them and i'm yeah i'm always it's always some reason why i can't use them like i'm running from the cops <laughs> the or, it up. or something <laughs> and so i'll always wake up and be like huh that's strange but yeah, anyway I, I thought that was you that, that was me was telling me about yeah. that so. but, All right, well, our second question is um what are some good things to look for in a sponsor hmm I mean, the way I was always kind of taught this, and I still agree with this and endorse it, is you want to first, you want to look for somebody who has something that you want. So, you know, uh, I mean, who has, you know, who's working a good recovery program, obviously, 
But I mean, even past that, just like has some kind of stability in their life, you know, because when you're early on a recovery, you're looking for a sponsor, you know, you're, you're not looking for somebody who can't keep a job, who's <laughs> who's burning through, you know, three marriages since they've been sober. Or I mean, that's that's not what I was was ever looking for, yep. you know. Who, yeah, I could, I could manage to pull that together pretty easy. Who has a driver's license, you know, somebody who is who's kind of further down the road in recovery than you are. As far as time-wise, um, I've seen this all over the map. I mean, I, I had a guy one time who had two weeks sober ask if he could sponsor me, and I had more time than him, and I was like, dude, I was like, no, nah, I'm okay. Right. You know? <laughs> I'm okay. I'll, I'll find somebody else. You know, you don't – I'm not saying that there's a, there's a hard time limit that, hey, you know, you've got to have this amount of time, but – but I mean, I was always told early on that you know you don't need to be thinking about that until you at least get through the steps, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and then I think there was a rule, an unsaid rule in the meetings I first started going to, where it was like my sponsor told me, "Don't worry about it until you've been sober at least a year." Yeah, that's uh, and again, you and I started in AA, and so usually. At our group, because we went to the same home group too, and I know this would fluctuate at different at different groups, but usually it would take about nine months for somebody to work through the steps right. on average. Yeah. And like my sponsor wouldn't even start the steps with people until they was about two or three months sober because he just wanted to see if they were committed. But um, you know, if you look inside of a CR meeting, I've seen people finish the steps in you know four months, mm-hmm. and you know because they're done a little differently. You know, so potentially, if you're just looking for somebody who's worked the steps, they could be four months to a year sober. I don't know that it really matters um, so much more so than the things that you were talking about of someone who right. has these things that you want. That's what I probably the best advice I've ever been given. Find someone who's living a life that you want to live. Right. But, you know, I would even take it a step further, like with my first sponsor. He had a lot of things going that I did want, um, but later, um, well, the reason I asked him on top of those things was because I knew that he was blunt, very blunt. He did not care about my feelings, and he was very adamant about that. He he was worried about my sobriety. I needed someone like that, but talking from like my wife's point of view, She's told me many times that she would have not gotten sober with someone like him. Right. Because she just, you know, he's an arrogant jerk, you know. <laughs> now, looking back at it, as we grew and our friendship grew, he she understood him. But at yeah. the beginning, she would have never understood him. Right. So, you, so you're saying don't necessarily get somebody who's the most like you or that you have the most things in common with, but somebody who's going to be the best for your recovery. Yeah, because he was not the one. I mean, at the time, I was probably 24, 26 years old, and he was pushing 60 or over 60. And um, we weren't looking to be buddies to go, you know, golfing afterwards. (laughs) I I just need someone to show me how to live. Right, yeah. And for me, I figured a man who was, you know, 50s or 60s, had a little more experience than someone who was in their 20s. Oh, yeah. And so I I wanted to pull not only from his sobriety recovery, just life in general recovery. And there came a point where, um, you know, I had to find a new sponsor. 
and this happened different times throughout the years. You know, first time with him, he passed away, and so it's kind of hard to sponsor with that. But, um, you know, I still hold on to what he probably taught me more so than any of my sponsors. Sure, yeah. But um, those are definitely what I would say is don't just go with someone only because they have what you want. It may be that you need someone a little more hard with you, or it may be someone that you need a little more compassion from. Yeah. You know, I don't know what that is for you. Right. Um, next question is, what is your stance on medications? And the, these next two came from the same person. So it, the first one is, what is your stance on medications for mental disorders such as depression or anxiety? Um. Depression or anxiety medicine. That's what we're Or like bipolar or Okay. Yeah. Just mental health. Mental in, health. In general. Um so you're talking about like Zoloft, Zoloft and those type things. Well butrin, yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean I, I think it's almost automatic, yes. If you need those, use those. I mean, I'm certainly no doctor and we don't claim that. There's our kind of disclaimer there. But there's no reason why you wouldn't do that, uh, right. in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, that's I totally agree with that. I mean, why would you not? Yeah, um, um, I'm all, I, I've got I've had a sponsor in long term sobriety that that has taken, you know, it was Olaf, I believe that he was on. I have taken Wellbutrin myself, yeah. but it wasn't for mental health. It was for actually to quit smoking. Right, my doctor prescribed it for that. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yes, I mean, if that's going to help you gather your thoughts and stay out of depression, because I, I don't know that I could stay sober in a, this depressed state all the time. I need something to level me out. Yeah. And, but it, I say that with not with drugs and alcohol. You right. Know, yeah. I had to find a new way to live. Sure. And so I ditched all the mental health things, especially like with me losing my hand. There was a lot of PTSD, and and there was some issues going on in my life, and I just chose to medicate that with drugs, where right. there was probably a, a much safer alternative. Right. I, I think, and I don't know, uh, I, I'm, I don't want to read into this question, but like I, I've, I've seen – where in some Christian circles, especially that people think you don't need, you know, mental health medications or whatever, and I think that's just uh, um, an ill-informed way to look at it. Uh, I went to there was one rehab that I went to where they wouldn't allow any kind of um, medications uh, along those lines, and I would see people come in and they would stop their medication cold turkey. And it would not go so well, you know. And so I, I, I definitely, totally agree with you on that. So are you even? Or well, I, I guess it's not you, but I mean, what about like your heavier ones? And I, I can't name all these, but like lithium, Depakote. I don't know. Yeah. Um, are we classifying those in there as well? Yeah, anti antipsychotics stuff like that. So yeah, I mean, I just I think that it's, it's needed. The one thing I do believe that I could say on it is that I I guess I've probably never really met anyone who was in drug addiction as hard as I was, and it's hard to classify all this, but they had the same sort of addiction that I had who wasn't bipolar. Right. When they come in, they they say, "Oh, I'm bipolar," and I'm gonna stand behind this. Oh, uh, this is my tenth fence. I I'm bipolar. I wasn't bipolar. Uh, I never was, even though some doctors had told me I was bipolar. Well, I, they told me I was too. I just yeah. never gave them all the reasons because if when I went to go see my psychiatrist 
in an addiction, I told them everything in the world. Get, I mean, I was Googling symptoms of things so that I could get the pills the that I wanted. Oh, yeah, I did it. You know, yeah. so yes, any doctor would give right. me a clinical uh, diagnosis of being absolute crazy because right. I'm needing more pills. Yeah. So <laughs> if you're not being honest with your doctor and right. he's trying to treat symptoms of something that's not even real, I would say before we even get to the, the medicine issue, are you being honest with your doctor? And if you're sincerely being honest with your doctor and yourself, then yeah, if medicine's needed, um, then take the medicine. Oh, yeah, definitely. You said it. That's as good as I could say it. And then the next question I, that came from the same person is, what is your stance on medically assisted treatment, such as Suboxone and Methadone? Okay, so if, if there's any hate mail, send that to Jason. Okay, because yeah, send I, it to me. Yeah, yeah, soberholic, uh, podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so... I, I'm kind of out of the loop. I'll just be honest. I, I really am. And this is where the disconnect happens with years of sobriety. So if you're new into sobriety and you've got, you know, months or a year, this is where you connect with a newcomer much better than what people call old timers. I've been sober almost 16 years coming up in April. Wow. And I don't say that to both. I just say, cause like Suboxone wasn't even a thing wasn't when even I there. got sober. Yeah. It was like an abuse was for drinking and methadone was for drugs. Didn't you go to the methadone clinic? I went once or twice, but okay. it just it really messed up my high. Yeah. <laughs> and people were like, we could sell it and stuff, you know, yeah. the people who got the things. Right. I just never got into that. I just It was too much work. I could buy my dope quicker than I could get right. it over there. And so I... I Looking at those things, I was never a fan of them because the people who used methadone, for instance, I never knew anyone to stay sober, long-term sobriety with it. I knew people who would try it, and they may stay sober for a little while, and that was their thing. Oh, I'm sober, but yet they're going to clinic every morning and like you hide in the bushes until you could be the first so you could be the first in line to get your dose well i mean those were the same actions i were doing when i oh, was yeah. going to dope man's house oh, yeah I, that wasn't sobriety for me so i, I that didn't make sense to me suboxone I, i've sponsored people and i work with people now who's done it and it's almost the same type behavior similar that I've seen, you know, yeah. except you don't have to go. You can get it at your house right. and you have it, and it's a maintenance type thing. Uh, again, I've never even seen a Suboxone strip. But, I mean, so that tells you how disconnected I am from from that. But um, if that's the only way to, for you to come off heroin, yeah, I guess it's an alternative. But there has to come a point where you come off of that too. Right. I, I, I personally don't believe that that is the way I want to live the rest of my life yeah. is is on those drugs. Yeah. For me, my take on it, and it's kind of softened um, over the last few years on it. So, like, I I went to the methadone clinic. I did the Suboxone thing. Um, if my mom's listening, uh, thank you for putting up with the Suboxone thing. <laughs> <laughs> she was there for all that stuff. Uh, and, and, you know, and and when you're when you're when I was taking this box and I really thought it was going to help and I thought like well this is a way out mm-hmm. this is the magic bullet that is going to get me out of all this the stuff the easier softer way the easier softer way and it wasn't because the problem with a lot of those maintenance drugs just for me and this is all my opinion um, is that I always still craved other drugs mm-hmm. you know it didn't stop 
since I wasn't re- working any kind of recovery when I was taking these maintenance drugs, um, I, I still had all the underlying issues that I didn't work on that still caused me to want to get high. Mm-hmm. And so since none of those were dealt with, I found myself even on you know a maintenance drug like Suboxone still wanting to get high. And so I would just stop taking the Suboxone and then I would go get high. And so to me, I always felt like I was looking back now, I was kicking the can down the road. I was, you know, just delaying working on the real issues that I needed to work on in order to actually get sober and learn how to manage my emotions and live a sober life. Now, with that said, and and looking back now, I don't consider myself being sober during that time. Um, and that's just, that's just my own opinion. Uh, a lot of people who take these drugs, they do consider themselves sober. And what I would say to them is if you're familiar with recovery, it, when you get a chip in NA or AA or whatever on the back of it, it says to thine own self be true. And you know, that it, the only person that it matters to if you're sober or not is yourself. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, just be true to yourself on that part. But the after all, saying all that, I'm not really a fan of medically assisted treatment except for early on detox. And without getting into a whole another thing about the whole uh, money grab that I think a lot of these drugs are really after, um, when you take a lot of these maintenance drugs, you know, the idea is to take them for short term to negate withdrawal symptoms. But then most people don't take them short term. Most people end up taking them for a really long time. And I think that's a whole a whole money grab from the pharmaceutical, from big pharma. But anyway, mm-hmm. that's what a conspiracy you- theory there. But, uh, but my point is that after saying that I'm not a fan of it, I will say, and this is where I softened on it, I know people who... You know, I've asked them point blank, are you going to do recovery? And they say, no, I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, if are you going to keep on shooting up if you don't take Suboxone? And they're like, yes. And I'm like, well, then take the Suboxone. Right. You know, and they're they're working a job. They're taking care of their family. Um, I, I mean, I know I know several people that they they seem pretty stable and they're doing pretty well taking the maintenance drug. Yeah. You know, you mentioned the the whole detox, you know, thing. I mean, I, I took like phenobarbital and whatever else they gave me when I went through that. And it was definitely beneficial. Well, I say it is. I mean, I'm still sober today, but it, it wasn't like a fix-all. There was still cramps. I still hurt. Yeah. I mean, um, I didn't get far from a bathroom. All of those things happened, and I had to go through it. There just wasn't no easy way out of it. And I don't know, with Suboxone? You said you've taken it. Did was like when you took it, was it just like no cravings? You just I mean, it took most of the withdrawal symptoms really? away. But I mean, but this last time I got sober, I did a cold turkey. Really? It can be done. Yeah. It was miserable. Right. I'm not gonna say it wasn't. It was awful. But I'm almost glad that I did cold turkey, although I don't recommend that. Um I'm almost glad because the pain of it and how awful it was is is still something that I remember vividly, right. and so it, it kind of acted as a, a deterrent to, I don't want to do this again, because this is terrible, you know? Well, number five, this question, I, I'm going to ask, because I want you to answer it first, because this is a much harder question, in my opinion, is um, how do you talk uh, someone into going to rehab? 
I'll I'll kind of bottom line it and then I'll explain it. I don't think you can. Yeah. Um, a lot of times, you know, and I'm sure you get these phone calls too. You know, a parent of uh, you know of their uh, a parent or a loved one will call us and will ask me, "Hey, you know, so and so, you know, my son or my nephew needs help. You know, can you talk to him?" And what they're essentially wanting me or you to do is talk them into getting treatment. Can you fix them? Yeah. Can you fix them? And I really can't honestly think of anybody who I've ever talked to in those type of situations that they actually went. Um, I, I think you have to actually want to get help. If somebody doesn't want to get help, they may need to get help. You know, their life might be totally spun out of control. They might be getting arrested. They might have overdosed and all those things um, that that I've experienced in my own life. I needed to get sober for a long time. I needed to get help for a long period of time, for years. But it was only when I finally wanted to that I actually got help. Mm -hmm. Without the desire from the person to want to get better for themselves, it's just they're they're not going to go and seek treatment. I, I agree, um, but here's maybe a different perspective to it. Is I've had those same calls. Family members want you to fix somebody, and uh, first of all, I usually say, "Okay, you have them call me." And that's right. kind of the standard thing you and yeah. I both have done. Well, they um, they've called me, and maybe we'll sit down and meet. Usually, I try to try to meet in person. Sometimes, yeah. you know, because it just seems a little more personal. And they can see that I'm a little more genuine than just someone trying to give them some advice. And I share with them my story. And I've had this happen a time or two uh, throughout the years. And they're dead set on not going to treatment. And then I'll explain to them the benefit of, tra- of treatment. And that may change their position a little bit. But usually what happens is these are the, the main reasons I hear people don't want to go to treatment. Well, I'm worried about my kids. But they haven't been in their kids' life because they're For out doing dope. For yeah. years. You know, yeah. but, um, I, I, I'm worried about my job, but they hadn't kept a job right. for, for years. And it's not like you're losing the best job of your life. It's just you're worried about losing the income you've got to buy more dope. Right. Uh, usually those are probably the, the biggest two, and they can be changed. Oh, I'm worried about my wife yeah. or I'm worried about my parents, whatever. Um, but it's, it's those two worries that people – look at and so if you can kind of remove those that worry like don't worry about your bills we'll we'll help your wife while you're gone or whatever yeah yeah you know they'll be taken care of to remove that anxiety may help someone to get into rehab or or be willing to try it but I, i do tell people a lot and i'm no insurance guy but i've seen the problems over the years that if you're not ready to go, don't push someone in there because sometimes if you go in there and they leave AMA right off the get-go, insurance only cover it, you know, maybe once or twice a year. And if you go and you leave against medical advice, they may not cover it when they are ready to go. Yep. So don't try, just try to force them in there against right. their will, which a lot of times you can't. They have to be willingly sure. going in there. But don't coerce them enough to where they're in there for three days and they jump on out of there. You know, when someone goes into treatment, you want them to be in treatment and get everything out of it. And two, if you're going into treatment, you're not going to go into treatment and just be fixed when you come out. No. That's, that's not what I normally see. What I see is you go in there, you 
you you spend some time to work on you, and then as you come out, then your recovery begins with whatever system you put into place. Yeah, you're just starting the process. But I mean, I'm not saying I don't. I haven't tried to talk people into going into rehab. I do. Mm-hmm. You know, I tell people, hey, you know, I don't think, especially with drugs and alcohol, that you can begin this process uh, of trying to get sober unless you're separated from the drugs and alcohol for a, for a period of time. I, I just, I've never seen a lot of success without doing that. So, I mean, I do, like you, tell people the benefits of it, but there's not some emotional appeal, you know, that you can give somebody that can, you know, talk them into it if they're not ready to go. You're right. You're completely right. People have got to work on themselves. Right. But I do believe that we, and I say we, um, usually it's from another an addict or an alcoholic can help remove some fear. Oh yeah, because sure. we're eat up with fear. Right. And there's the unknown of that is just terrifying. And so, if there is anything, I think if you can remove the fear, the anxiety, that's probably the biggest thing I could I could do. Oh yeah, show. definitely. And take take away those things that they think are big deals. You know, like jobs and and kids, which those are big deals but not when your life is completely out of control. And, and if you do get them in rehab, don't go get them. Don't get them. Don't em. go get them. Because <laughs> they're going to call you three days into I, it. Oh, I'm good now. I, I yeah. Just let me get them back home. Don't go get them. <laughs> yeah. Man, I, I hear that so many times. It's like you do everything in the world to find someone, just a place to get, and then they call begging to come on home. Oh, they miss you. They love you. We love you. We'll come get Don't go get them. Let them finish. Oh, that's my pet peeve. Yeah. So I'll get off that. So our last question is, what's the coolest thing you've done in recovery? Mm. I've been thinking about this one. It's uh, There's so many different ones. Bingo. What? No, really. Playing, that, playing. That's what I thought was the coolest thing when I first got sober was bingo. I thought that's what my life was going to be. Oh, playing just, bingo. Just playing bingo. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we did at our AA meeting. They just played bingo all the time. I was like, Lord, is this as good as it's going to get? <laughs> but no, that's not the coolest thing. But that's what I thought was going to be the coolest thing. What's one of yours? Man, I, I, I mean, I can ramble on for a while. And I, I'm going to sound like I'm boasting. But like when we got sober, my, I don't remember which year it was. Probably my my wife's second year sobriety birthday we went skydiving with a bunch of friends in aa and uh, that was really cool one of the guys that went with us had never been in a plane so he jumped out of the first one he was in uh we've traveled man we've traveled all over and that's a direct result of being sober i mean i've got money to do those things now and so me and my wife we've traveled you know, to several different countries, all through the Caribbean, looking at different islands on cruises. And we've just really enjoyed doing those things. Um, been on a lot of cool uh, hunting trips. And um, like, I'm not, ex- I'm not a wealthy guy. I've just, you know, I've just been able to, to have money now that I'm not doing dope. Well, yeah. That's a, yeah. That's a big deal. Yeah. I mean, it's a big difference. Starts adding up when you're not spending yeah. $200 a day. Hey, yeah. hey man. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, one for me, obvious, is getting married uh, to my wife, Dakota. You always Woo! say that so that you can sleep with the same bed at night. I know, yeah, she Because yeah. she's like screening your, your conversation. <laughs> oh, yeah. She listens to all these to see if she's mentioned. So yeah. there you go. Love you, honey. Um, okay, what, what's the second, which would really be the first, now that you got that No. Um, I, I guess... For me, like the coolest thing and one of the things that I thought would never happen is finishing college. 
it was one of those things where I, for 15 years, I was like, it was in the back of my mind, like, I really want to finish my degree, my bachelor's degree. And I was like, there's just no way. I owed a bunch of money. There was a bunch of hurdles in the way. And when I got sober, um, those started one by one falling down and all the all the dominoes fell to, to just line up to where I, I was able to finish my bachelor's degree. And um, hopefully I'm about to continue on um, here pretty soon with my master's. And that's just that's one of the biggest things, you know, that I never thought was going to be possible one because of all the financial things and then two because like i thought mentally i would never like be restored enough to even be able to do school again i thought i had fried too many brain cells it <laughs> just mentally wasn't able to do yeah. it you yeah, see that that same thing happened with me i was able to go through school and yep. finish up and i mean I, there's just so many things yeah. man just like running we talk about that a lot yeah um but you still do it and i don't <laughs> Um, but you know, to run a marathon, that was yeah. a big deal. And was, I could have never done that doing dope. Nope. There's no way. Yeah. Even doing math, I couldn't have done it, which right. I, I would have done math to say, oh, it's going to help me do better. That was the way I would think, you know, yeah. but now that, that wouldn't have ever worked. So, man, I mean, I could go on forever oh, yeah. about these cool things oh, because yeah. those are just experiences that I, I'll have forever now. Yeah. I mean, one, a couple from last year, like one was going to Peru on a mission trip. Like I remember being in Peru going, you know, being thankful that I can do stuff like this now, you know, and it's, and I'm not so consumed with myself and so consumed with a drug addiction that I can think about other people and try to help, you know, in different ways, um, through those things. And then, uh, last at the end of last year, I got to preach at my church for the first time, you know, things that. 10 years ago, if you would have said, this is what you're going to be doing 10 years from now, I would have laughed at you. No, there's no way. <laughs> there's no way I would have dreamed that God would have given me what I've got. And so if you're listening to this, there are better things than bingo. There really is. Yes. Uh, your life does not end with bingo Yeah, the rest of your life. Yeah. And that was uh, the blessings of sobriety. You know, some of them are just things that happen when you're just sober, you know, um, but a lot of them come because of if you work a, a program of recovery and you work on the the underlying issues um that and you clear away all the wreckage of the past and everything the blessings that come out of that are just unbelievable mm-hmm. so well that is another one yeah that we've come to the end of send your questions yep send your questions to soberholic podcast at gmail.com send us a facebook message instagram uh, message on there or on all those places send a question if you got a question for roger a real hard question for roger send it to him um i'm ready for hard yeah, questions yeah some, i enjoy hard some questions. of these were some good ones so and, and when we get enough of them we'll we'll do another coffee and conversations that's good and if you haven't go leave us a review on wherever you listen um you can rate it or review it or you can do both um probably the best way to do that is apple um on mm-hmm. their podcast um, platform you yeah. can go there and do that and go like us on facebook if you haven't yet um but with all those man we're we're done done so that's another one in the books i'm roger i'm jason we're signing out thanks for listening to soberholic with roger and jason if you like the show and want to know more check out soberholicpodcast.com please remember to leave us a review on itunes or wherever you listen to podcasts See you next week, Soberholics.